tithe and your offering in. You can bring it up now. We'll also dismiss Kids Church. Just the little ones? Okay, so if your kids are little, they can go. <laughs> well, it's been an interesting week this last week. As this was mentioned already before, a lot of stuff has happened. A lot of stuff has happened this last week, and uh, I believe we have some exciting things to look forward to in the next little while. You know, with the passing of the queen, we've had a king that we have now inherited, which has been a big thing. I know myself, I have never known a king as the state head in my life, and uh, so that'll be taking some adjustments. Our different political things are happening in our community, in our nation. So there's been a lot of different things that are going on. But I don't think it's all bad. I think we need to keep looking to God and saying, okay, God, what's the next step now? Where are we going from here? Now today, before we get started, I would just like to take a moment and just to pray for Ron. As some of you know, he's been dealing with cancer and uh, he's finished the first round of treatments and they're getting ready to start the second round, which they say will be a little bit stronger than the first round. So if we're not seeing them for a while, that's why. But keep them in your prayers during the whole time. You know, if the Lord lays them on your heart, keep praying for Ron and for Lydia, for his family. And just keep lifting them up before God. We are believing for miraculous things to happen, that the treatment will be, maybe, will be done before it even would normally have thought to have been done, and that they're going to be able to say, okay, that's all worked now. Now let's move on with life. Amen? Why do these things happen? If I had all the answers, I would be called God. <coughs> I'm not. <laughs> but we know that we have a God that says, I am the Lord that heals thee in Exodus 15, 26. And that's what we believe for, the God that heals us. So, Father, I just want to lift up Ron and Liddy before right now, and I want to thank you that you are the God that heals us according to your word. I thank you, Father, that you have already been working in Ron's body, that you have been bringing into order those things that have been out of order, and that you are causing his health to spring forth speedily. I thank you, Father, even right now for the good reports that we are waiting to hear. We thank you, Father, that every trace of this cancer will be removed and that Ron will be able to live a long and a healthy life, that he shall live and not die and declare the glories of the Lord. We thank you, Father, for the faithfulness that they have been, the faithfulness that they have shown, and we look forward to the years that they will be able to continue to worship you and to serve you. I bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's sort of a special Sunday. We've called it the fall kickoff online. We can call it the fall kickoff. We can call it the end of summer picnic. We can call it all sorts of different things. But really, it's actually ends up lining up pretty well with the Hebrew New Year. <laughs> so we could call it the beginning of a whole new year again, starting off now and saying, God, it's time now to bring things on track, to move forward, and to reach what needs to be reached, to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Amen? So one of the things we're going to do a little while later is we're going to have three different people from the congregation that are just going to share on the topic of my church. But before we get to them, you get me. <laughs> Was that a boo or a... <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> 
And I'm going to read from Matthew 16, verses 16 to 19. And it says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So what we have here is Jesus asking, starting to ask people, who do, you, who do they think that I am? And different answers came up. And then all of a sudden Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, you are blessed because Holy Spirit has revealed that to you. Then the next line, when he goes on and he says, but um, upon this rock I will build my church. And people have thought at some different points that that meant that Peter was the cornerstone of the church. I do not believe that's what Jesus was saying at all. What Jesus was saying was the rock of revelation. The rock of revelation saying that you are the Christ. And why do I believe that? Because if it says in different places, if you confess Christ, you're saved. And now Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail upon. Uh, so the revelation being the, of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus being the rock, he says, on this is the rock that I'm going to build my church on. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So that we have the picture of the church then going out and taking the territory of the enemy and Satan not being able to stand up against it. That's our authority, people. But I think so often we're scared to use that authority because we don't recognize that that authority was given to us. Now think for a moment of how important the church was to Jesus. He had to leave the glories of heaven. He had to come to earth and live, as a sin, or live among sinful men. He was not sinful. He had to face perhaps one of the most excruciating deaths that was ever been developed, the death on the cross. He had to feel the rejection of the Father. On the cross, he called out, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Everything else he could handle, but now Father turned his back on him. And Jesus had to face that. He had to go to hell. He had to pay the price of sin. He had to overcome the powers of hell and come back to life. And got seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. So it cost him an awful lot. But, you know, you can always tell the value somebody places on something by what they're willing to pay for it. You know, when somebody is willing to say, you know, something is really valuable, people are willing to pay unreal amounts of money for it and, and unreal amounts of whatever. And Jesus is willing to give his very life. There was nothing more that he could give. There was nothing stronger that he could give for the church. So the value that Jesus places upon the church is probably a lot higher than most Christians place on the church. He felt it was worthwhile dying for how many things in your life have you found that you're actually willing to die for? You know, most people say, oh, yeah, I would gladly die for that. And then when it comes down to it, they're not so glad about it. In fact, a lot of them would probably change their will if they could any quickly. They'd say, okay, is there not some other way? But they're not. So he places this poly upon the church. And when I hear Christians knock the church, it always saddens me. You know, I hear different Christians that are professing to be Christians. They say, oh, yeah, we love Jesus, but we don't like the church. That's impossible. 
The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. And yet people turn around and it becomes almost a sport sometimes. You think upon the news and stuff to knock the church and what the church has all done wrong and how the church is doing this wrong, how the church is doing that. And I'll tell you right now, the history of the church is not without blemish. We are still people. And as much as we would like to believe we were all sanctified and holy and singing hallelujah all day long, we're not. There are still people, there are still egos, there are still things that get involved. But the fact is that the church was God's plan for this world. This is what he decided was what this world needed. Us. So here we are. Some would look at us and say, well, we're sort of a motley crew, aren't we? God looks at us and says, look at my saints. Clothed in white robes. Clothed in the garments of righteousness. Clothed with authority and power. Look at my church. Why? Because when God looks at us, he sees what the blood of Jesus has done in our life. And I think often we're going to need to do that with each other also. See what the blood of Jesus has done in somebody's life. <clears throat> so the church is God's plan. Now today, as throughout history... There are things that we see the church doing which seem to be or appear to be counterproductive to God's plan. We don't always see God's love demonstrated openly. Somehow or other, as soon as sin is called out, people have had the habit of trying, oh, yeah, they're so judgmental, they're so critical, they're so this. No, no, they're not. We can still love people even when we disagree with what they're doing. And yet the world seems to have lost that thought. Have kids. You'll find out they can do things and you still love them even though you disagree with what they're doing. You would still let you lay down your life for them. But if so somehow or other, people have got the idea <clears throat> that if you would dare say anything against what they're doing, you must be bigoted, you must be racist, you must be, oh, and the names go on and on and on. No, we're Christians. And yes, we're still walking in love. How do I know that? Because you can look around the world today and you will notice that the church also has a history of bringing betterment to this earth. Now, again, this is one of those things that you have to be looking for what you want to look at. Have you ever found that, you know, it's sort of like when you Google one thing on uh, your computer, and all of a sudden your computer starts popping up all of these things that are, relate to what you said? Pastor Jerry and myself were sitting in our home one evening talking about getting a camper. And all of a sudden I started getting camper ads on my phone. And I'm going, so it's true. <laughs> Big Brother is listening. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. <laughs> Let's start preaching to him when they're listening. <laughs> Let's keep our conversation uplifting. So what you're looking for is what ends up turning up. And if you're looking for everything that's wrong, you will find more and more and more things that are wrong. If you look for everything that's right you're going to find more and more and more things that are right. And the church has perhaps one of the most glorious histories in this earth for doing things right. You know, you can look at most of our hospitals and you can still see that many of them have been named because of Christian. Even in Winnipeg, you know, we have St. Boniface. Where do you think the saint comes from? That's scriptural. The church has been busy establishing hospitals around the world. 
The church has been busy establishing orphanages around the world. The church has been busy establishing schools around the world. The church has been busy establishing different ways of reaching people and getting them out of poverty. All we have to do is even look at what Victory Churches has done, and we can see what has all happened. You know, when they started sewing schools, they started educational schools. They said the way out of, for most people, the way out of poverty will be to become knowledgeable, to be able to read and write, to be able to learn. We've established drinking water, fresh, clean drinking water. We've provided clothes. You know, you can look around the different things that the church is doing, and you will find that the major relief uh, um, missions, relief, relief agencies, have been founded by Christian organizations. In fact, a while ago, when there was a big um, earthquake and everything going through some nations, the tsunami hit during that one time, the tsunami ended up flooding a lot of nations, and the nations are Muslim. And I heard some of the Muslim clerics say, well, how come our own people aren't helping us? It's the Christians that are here. Because our mandate is to love. And we love. Do we always do it perfectly? Not necessarily. But we're going to do it. I can remember when Pastor Jerry went on a trip to Haiti and she saw some of the horrible things that have been going on there. And she mentioned how the government aid was sitting there boxed up and they couldn't even get to it, but the churches could come in and bring relief. See, the church has been able to get into areas where others couldn't because we came offering help. Not just the gospel, but we do preach the gospel at the same time. We teach people how to move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of heaven. But we see to it that they have food, clothes, and shelter also. But that's the work of the church. That's what the church has been doing throughout. So we have a glorious history. And if we're going to look back and see some of the mighty things that have happened, we're going to recognize that the church has done an awful lot more good in this world than evil. And I'm including the Crusades and all of that. The church has been there to bring help for centuries 2,000 years. Medical aid, education, healthy food, sometimes teaching people how to make healthy food, clean water, clothing, shelter. These are all things the church has been known for throughout history. Most of the universities in North America were started by church organizations because they said the Christians need to learn how to think and how to defend their faith. Now, have they slipped? They've slipped. But we're there. So if I sound like I'm in love with the church, I am. Because Jesus is. It's his body. You know, Paul says no man loves his, uh, hates his own self. Why would Jesus be hating us? He loves us. In spite of our flaws. I can look in the mirror some mornings and go, well, I could do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and do some toning and some trimming and some this and on and on. But I still love my body. Well, that's what Jesus loves his body. That doesn't mean we're perfect. He's still working on us. Some of us he's sending to the gym. Some of us he's send <laughs> sending away from the fridge. I don't know. He's still working on us. He's still working on us. But he's in love with us. I'm in love with the church. So we are part of the church universal, and we try to stay actively involved in as many areas as we can. And again, like I've said, through Victory Churches International, 
There's orphanages that we've worked with that we've supported. There's orphans that we have supported on a monthly basis. There's trainers and instructors. We've had people that we have sponsored to go to different areas. We've had missions teams that have gone from this church to different parts of the world. I know when Melody went to the Philippines, Dieter's been to Africa. We've had different places that we have gone. Pastor Jerry was in Haiti. I've been to Mexico a few times. We go around the world and try to help. We don't go so we can sit in the rich houses and dine with the presidents and everything. We go to help the people that can't help themselves, to give them a hand up. And I'm excited about that, that we can be part of that. So I believe God has called us to this place at this time, and he's brought us as a people together to accomplish the work of the ministry. So we come into covenant together. I know that a lot of people say, well, I don't need the church. I'm, you know, the church has got so many faults and so many problems. I don't need the church. Well, maybe the problem is you. Bible tells us very clearly that the church is built up from what every joint supplies. And if you're not doing your part, you're hurting everybody else. Oh, yeah, but the church is this and the church is that. It may, maybe all of those things, but the church is the greatest thing that God could come up with. Let's recognize that. Let's give glory to God for that. So we come together and God brings us together. We make covenant with each other. You know, David mentioned it during the offering scripture that one of the things is even just a church reaches out to so many different places. That's our mandate, to help those that are hurting, to bring healing. He's brought people to go together so that we can accomplish the work of the ministry together. People that have given themselves to the vision of this house and joined in what God is doing here. Now, I know I've heard people say, well, that's not scriptural to have church. It is scriptural. When I have done studies in the Greek, it is very scriptural. A church, the ecclesia, is recognized as a place where people get together, where they have a set of rules of conduct, where they do. So, yeah, it is totally scriptural. It's totally unscriptural to say, well, I don't need the church. That's completely unscriptural. I'll just worship God at home in my field. Wait till your bull comes along, helps you out of there. <laughs> We're called to join together. Well, we have people here that have come together, and today I want to give three of them the opportunity to share what this church means to them. Now, two of them have attended here probably from right when we first started. And one started coming right after our physical address became Plum Coulee. So I wanted to pick people that were involved, people that were supportive. And I picked these three to come up and just to share for seven minutes on the topic of my church. So I'm going to start with the one that has been here the 